In a famous line from the movie Braveheart, William Wallace says, every man dies, but not every man really lives. And that applies for men and women. But, you know, we all want to really live. I mean, whatever that looks like, we want to figure out what does it mean to, to really live. And so we, we kind of have beliefs in our lives about what it takes to, to live. And so some of that may be around food, right? We need food to live. And some of us, or maybe I should say some of you, have come to a belief that because we need food to live, we should have good food. You know, for our bodies. I mean, our bodies need to have good food. So some people cut out all the bad stuff, all the processed food, all the sugar, all that kind of stuff, because if we're going to fuel our body, that's a belief. If, I, if I'm going to fuel my body with food, I want to fuel it with good food. Some of us have a belief about exercise, that we need to exercise maybe a certain number of times a week or for a certain amount of time. If you're anything like me, I, I do exercise, but I hate every minute while I'm exercising I just can't wait for it to be over, and so I, but I believe that it's good for me. I believe I'm going to feel better afterward. I believe that hopefully it's cleaning out my arteries, and so I'll live longer, better quality of life, all that kind of stuff. We have certain beliefs. If I, was, if I were able to observe your behavior for a week, I would learn a lot about what you believe, because our beliefs drive our behavior. What, what we trust in to help us live, determines how we act. This, this is true in the physical area, whether it's food or exercise. It's also true in the spiritual area of life. And so if someone believes that there is no God, their actions, their behavior is going to be a reflection of that belief. That may be the case for some of you this morning. Maybe, maybe you came as a guest of someone, or maybe you're just searching. Maybe somebody promised you to buy you lunch if you came you know, for church with them. And so maybe you're here this morning, and you really, deep down, believe there, there isn't any God. If that's the case, then oftentimes, for someone like that, um, maybe, maybe your, your sense of of authority is really different from someone who does believe in God. And so you, you might think, you know, it's okay for me to, to really do whatever I want with my money. I mean, for example, because Daryl talked about that a little bit earlier. So, so it's okay for me to just decide what I'm going to do with my money. There's, there's no point in listening to what God has to say about that. It's, it's, it's my decision about how I'm going to handle my relationships, how I'm going to handle my sex life. That's all up to me. Like, I, I don't need to consult a God because I don't really believe that he exists. My behavior is going to reflect that. Now, for those who believe that there is a God, their behavior will reflect that. And, and if we believe there is a God, and that there's a way to be right with God, to have God's favor, then that will affect our behavior. This, this becomes kind of hyper-reality, oftentimes, for people when they are getting near death. And they start to ask the question, I wonder what God thinks of, of me. And so one very popular belief about how our, our uh, behavior impacts our being right with God, a, a popular belief is that we just need to be good people. And so if, if I'm a good person, then I will have favor with God. And so the behavior that that leads to is I need to do good things. Now, here's the question that, that follows that kind of a belief, is 
what definition of good are you going to use? Because if you look around you, you'll probably be able to find someone who is more good than you are. I mean, they're, they're the people that kind of disgust us, right? I mean, they're, they're, you kind of look at them, and it's like everything's perfect. I mean, they volunteer, you know, at school, and they coach their kids soccer, and they eat everything organic and raw and stuff, and they make their clothes out of recycled stuff, and you just look at them, and you're just like, you're perfect. I mean, I can never measure up to that. There's always somebody that's more good than you are. And so then to comfort ourselves, we look down the scale, and we say, well, there's people who are less good than I am, and so we just kind of hope that maybe God grades on a curve. So what we want to talk about here this morning, that's a belief that leads to a behavior. What we want to talk about this morning is a completely different belief about how to be right with God that leads to a different behavior that actually provides so much freedom from having to try to earn God's favor It's amazing how much freedom it gives us. If you would turn to Romans chapter 1, that's what we're going to look at here this morning. If you don't have a Bible with you, there should be one near you. And Romans chapter 1 is on page 1040. Or you can look it up on your device if you've got an app on your device. Romans 1.17. We're starting a new series today. And we're, we're going to do something that we always do at Grace Point, and then we're going to do something that's a little bit different than what we, we typically do. So what we always do, if you're new to Grace Point, is every Sunday we're, we're opening the Bible, we're looking at a verse or, or a few verses, and we're kind of digging into those to understand what, what does it mean, and then how does it apply to my life here in the, in the 21st century. So that's going to stay the same this month. We're going to look at key scriptures. But the thing that's different is that we're, we're going to look at some church history. And the reason that we're doing that is because this month marks the 500th anniversary of the Protestant Reformation. And so the, the Reformation happened. Sometimes it's helpful to kind of look back at history because we, all we know, you know, firsthand is what we grow up with. We kind of grow up in this culture and we don't often realize how different our world is because of the Protestant Reformation. Not just uh, in religion, but in education, in, in culture, in politics. I mean, everything in our Western world changed at the Protestant Reformation. And so we're going to look at some of those snippets of history to kind of give us a better perspective and appreciation. And even as we look at these scriptures, to understand how they were understood or misunderstood 500 years ago. And it'll give us a greater appreciation, I think, for what they mean in our life today. So we're going to start the series with exploring this question. How, how can we be right with God? And in order to ask the question, how can we be right with God, we're going to look at someone who struggled and wrestled with that question 500 years ago, and his name was Martin Luther. So this is Martin Luther, not Martin Luther King. Okay, let's make that distinction, okay? So Martin Luther, who we're going to be talking about, was German, okay, he's Caucasian, He was a clergyman, so the two Martin Luthers had that in common, and they were both revolutionaries in their day. But Martin Luther lived in Germany, grew up in Germany. He he became a monk during a thunderstorm. His dad wanted him to be a lawyer, but one day he was was running for home, and it was thunderstorming, and he thought he was going to be struck by lightning, and in desperation he prayed, 
if you'll just save me from this storm, I will become a monk. And he did. And so it's interesting as we look at his life to think that he would be someone who would struggle with this question of how can I be right with God? Because if you look at him on the outside, you would think that he's doing all the things that someone is supposed to do to be as close to God as you can get. I mean, he became a monk. He devoted his life to serving God, to prayer, to celibacy. I mean, he's setting himself apart. And you would think if somebody's going to make all that sacrifice and devote themselves to God, that, that they're going to be close to God, right? But one biographer uh, said this. He said, the more that he tried to do for God, it seemed, the more aware he became of his sinfulness. And so we've got a video from, uh, a little video clip here from the movie Luther that illustrates this. Take a look. So all, for all of Luther's devotion, for all of his commitment, he, that, that did not bring him peace with God. The only way he found peace with God was by looking at the verse that we're going to look at here this morning, and that changed his life. And it's really not an exaggeration to say that it changed the world. So Romans 1.17. Let's read this together because it's short and uh, just to kind of get it in, into our heads this morning. Okay, Romans 1.17. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith, as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. All right, so our job this morning is to unpack this verse and understand what, what, why would this have had such a huge impact on, on Martin Luther. So first three words they, there says, for in it. What is it referring to? Well, we have to go back to verse 16 to know what it is referring to. It's referring to the gospel. Verse 16 says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek, for in it, the gospel, the righteousness of God, is revealed from faith for faith, as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. So, so the word gospel means good news. And to understand why this was such a huge impact on Martin Luther, we need to understand really what the gospel is. There's, there's a great description of it if we flip over to Romans chapter 3, verse 21. So verse, uh, Romans 3.21 is going to use this same phrase, the righteousness of God, again, that we saw in Romans 1.17. It says, but now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. Okay, so it uses that same phrase, the, the righteousness of of God. And we need to understand, we need to clarify that when it talks about the righteousness of God, it's not talking about the moral goodness of God. Okay, we know that because in verse 21 it says this righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law. Okay, there's a new way that it's been manifested and the righteousness of God was shown through the law thousands of years before the law of God that he gave to the Jewish people. So this is not talking about the moral goodness of God. It's talking about a righteousness from God. Basically, our rightness with God. So when it says the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, that is our rightness with God, and it's apart from the law. This is the part that was so radical when Paul wrote this 2,000 years ago, 
And then when Martin Luther began to grab hold of it again 500 years uh, ago. This idea of apart from the law, we could be righteous. Because God gave the law to the Jewish people, they thought to make them righteous. They, They thought and they understood that their way to be right with God is you keep the law. You you keep the rules, and if you keep the rules, then God will be happy with you and give favor to you. And so for Paul to say, and for Martin Luther to read, that there's a rightness with God that is manifested apart from the law, apart from the things that we do, that was radical. That was very different. And so if we read on, there in Romans chapter 3, it says, there is no distinction, verse 23, for all have sinned, and fall short of the glory of God, and are justified by his grace as a what? Gift. Say it louder. It's a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. So what we're looking at is the distinction between being right with God by earning it, or being right with God as a gift. We don't earn our gifts. Okay, when you get a gift on your birthday, it's not because you did something. You just are here. So we don't earn a gift. A gift is just given to you by someone. See, we are made right with God by faith alone through Christ alone. That was the radical concept that kind of blew Martin Luther's circuits and, and set him free. And so in Romans 1.17, back there, back to that again. It says, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith, for faith, as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. Okay, so we started off today talking about things that we believe that give us life, food, exercise. This, Paul Paul is telling us, Martin Luther is reminding us, the righteous will live by faith. To find life, that comes through faith, not through trying to earn it. This was, this was the light bulb moment for Martin Luther as he wrestled with this scripture, with this verse. And just kind of a little sidebar here, looking at Martin Luther's life. This is a great example for you and me, is to wrestle with a verse and wrestle it to the ground. Because I think sometimes, I think too many times, I know I give up too quickly when I'm struggling with an issue in my life or trying to understand a concept. Maybe somebody shares something with me about how God loves me or forgives me or something spiritual, and, and I just can't wrap my head around it. And sometimes I just give up too, too quickly. Instead of doing what Martin Luther did, which was to take this one little verse and just go over it and over it and dig and wrestle and meditate and read it and try to figure out what do these words mean. Go talk to somebody else. Go read a commentary. Go talk to somebody and say, what do you think this means? And wrestle it to the ground. And that was what opened up Martin Luther's understanding and changed his life. Sometimes we, you and I give up too easy so we can learn from him about this. So for, for Martin Luther... This idea of being right with God through faith alone, not what we do. That was radically different from what the church was teaching in his, in his day. And I'm going to just say the church because there really was only one church in his day in Germany, and it was the Roman Catholic Church. 
And so what they taught was that we were made right with God through grace by works, by sacraments. So the way that we obtained the grace that we need to be in favor with God was by doing certain things. So one of those would be, uh, for example, communion or, or Eucharist. So later on this morning, we're, we're going to be sharing communion together. In the teaching that Martin Luther grew up under, he understood that he had to participate in the Eucharist on a regular basis. And he had to be taking that in because that was, that was the grace that saved him. So if he didn't participate in that, he was not participating or receiving God's grace in his favor. Baptism was another thing that we had to participate in. That they, and people didn't choose that because they were, they were born and baptized as infants, so that was something that their parents chose from, for them, but that was a way of receiving grace. There were seven of the sacraments, but, and I'm not going to highlight all of them, but the, the last one that I'll mention is penance. So the understanding was that if you sinned, if you broke God's law, that you needed to go confess that. And then oftentimes the the priest would say, okay, Jesus has forgiven you, but in order to make up for what you did wrong, you're going to need to do certain things. And he might assign them to pray certain prayers, to maybe go on a pilgrimage, go visit a, a holy site, or then uh, maybe to make a financial contribution for something. And this is where things started to get really dicey for Martin Luther because one of the things that the church was doing at that time was selling indulgences, which were a piece of the penance idea, because uh, they believed and they taught that there was a purgatory that you went to after you die. So the scriptures that, that we read teach that There is life after death, but you're going to one of two places. You're either going to be with God in heaven or you're going to be separated from God eternally in hell. The scriptures that the church used included books that we don't recognize as authoritative, and they taught that there's a purgatory, which is an in-between place. And so what the church would say is there's an undetermined amount of time that you're going to spend in purgatory before you go to heaven, and you can reduce the time that you spend in purgatory by buying your way out of it. So they were selling these indulgences, and you could buy an indulgence, you could buy a reduction in your time in purgatory, either for yourself, or you could buy it for someone else. And this was what really started to get under Martin Luther's Skin because he started to recognize a corruption in all of this. He recognized that there were some building programs going on in Rome, that St. Peter's Cathedral Basilica was being built, this huge ornate place, and they had to pay for this somehow. And so they're selling these indulgences and really corrupting this whole practice. And incidentally, I just want to say we, we don't need to be too careful to point fingers at other churches who are corrupting things because we're, we're all vulnerable to that. We all have to be very careful of guarding ourselves to be doing the right things for the right reasons. But this is what really bothered Martin Luther, and he said, I have to speak out against this. And so on October 31st of 1517, Martin Luther wrote out 95 theses and posted them on the church door in Wittenberg, where he was a pastor, and in so doing, he's, he's posting these theses that say, here's, 
Here are the things that have been long-standing beliefs that I'm challenging. I don't think this is right. I think we need to look at this. And by post, this was the way you would kind of call for a debate in those days. And so Martin Luther was saying to the church, we need to talk about this. And so this, this posting on the Wittenberg door has become a symbol of challenging a long-held belief. And Martin Luther set that, that pace for us. And it turned out that it was a dangerous move. And that's why we called this series Dangerous Grace. Because sometimes when you challenge a long-standing belief, not everybody is going to be really excited to embrace your new idea. And so what Luther found himself in for the rest of his life was this wrestling match, really this battle with the church of trying to show them what he had discovered from studying the scriptures. And it became very dangerous for him, and he, his life was threatened. But it was worth the risk for him, because he wanted to live in the freedom of Romans 1.17 that says the righteous will live by faith. No longer do I have to be on the treadmill of earning God's favor, but I can receive it because being right with God, being made right with God, comes through faith alone, in Christ alone. Ephesians, that was written by the same Paul who wrote uh, Romans 1.17, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says, it is by grace we are saved through faith, and this is a gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. Couldn't be more clear that grace does not come through works, but not everybody is quick to embrace that. But here's the freedom. Now, instead of doing things to try to earn God's favor, now we can do things out of gratitude for what God has already done. See, really, the difference between every other religious system and following Christ, is the difference between the words do and done. Is it going to be about, is your life going to be about what you do to try to get God to like you or accept you or bring you into heaven when you die? Is it going to be about what you do? Or is it going to be about what Christ has already done and trusting in that finished work so that then the things I do just become an expression of gratitude for what Jesus has already done? It becomes our motivation for, for everything we do. So at Grace Point, we say that we want to help more people become fully committed followers of Jesus Christ. And the way we've kind of pictured that to see how that, that works out in a life is that we, we worship, uh, someone who's growing in their faith worships, connects with others, other believers, they serve and they share. Uh, share their faith. So it's possible to do those four things and do them out of a heart of trying to earn God's favor. God, I, I did this thing last week, and so I hope you're happy with me. What, what Romans 1.17 says is the righteous will live by faith. And so we trust that Christ has forgiven us and made us right with God so that then as we worship, connect, serve, and share, we're doing those things out of gratitude and saying, God, thank you for what you've done for me. And I'm, I'm really just doing this to draw closer to you, to understand you better, but I thank you for the favor that you've already given me through Christ. 
So I wonder this morning how, how many of us are caught in an old mindset, an old belief of trying to do something to earn God's favor, to try to make ourselves right with God. And then we, we do whatever that is, and we fail at it, and we regret, and so then we try harder next week, and it's just this treadmill that, that wears us out. So, so if that's the case for you, maybe it's time for some of us to go and nail a protest on a door somewhere and say, God, I'm, I'm tired of living this way. I, I don't want to be on a treadmill of trying to please you when Jesus has already done everything that that was necessary. I, I want to live in light of Romans 3.23 that says, I know I have sinned and I fall short of the glory of God, but I am justified by your grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. So I'm no longer going to try to achieve the righteousness from God by the law. Not, not through trying to obey God's law, because I can't, not through trying to obey my own law, my own expectations for myself. I fall short of that too. Not trying to uh, earn my way through the expectations of some other person. I can't keep up with those either. So I need to lay all of those things down. And so there's a, there's a piece of paper that was on your seat as you came in. And the reason that that's there is to give you an opportunity this morning to think through your own life and your own situation and think, is there, is there something in my life that I'm trying to do to try to earn God's favor that it's time for me to, to give up and to, to, to protest and say, um, it's, it's time to challenge that. It's time for me to take that and, and put it on a door somewhere and say, I'm, I'm done with this. And I'm just going to, I want to live in light of the favor that God has given me through Jesus Christ. So that paper is there for you to think about that and, and write that down. And, and a little bit later on, you're going to have an opportunity, if you want, to bring your paper up and post it on that door as a way of saying, I'm, I'm leaving that behind. But, but here's what you need to know. If you, if you do that, it could be dangerous. It could be dangerous because not everybody is going to be excited if you step out of a system that has been a long-held belief. And so, if, if you've been walking through your life, you, you may uh, experience your own internal resistance to that. Man, I've, I've lived this way all of my life and I don't know how to give this up. You may experience some of that. You may experience resistance from people around you, family who look at you and say, you can't live this way. You can't live in this kind of freedom. That's not, that's not right. I guarantee you, you will experience resistance from the enemy of your soul, from Satan, because he does not want you to walk in the freedom of what Christ has done for you. So it is dangerous to step out into grace, but it's the only path to freedom. What's at stake is life. That's where we started. We, we all want to really live and the question is, are we going to live by faith, as Romans 1.17 says, or are we going to keep trying to earn our way? And so the, the life that we talk about is eternal life, because you and I are, we're, we're going to live eternally somewhere. And scripture tells us there's, there's two choices. We can live with God, 
who is the source of everything good in, in this world. Uh, love, beauty, kindness, music, ev- everything that we love about this world, God is the source of those things, and we get the opportunity to live with him because of what Jesus has done. Or we can live apart from God for eternity. The Bible calls that hell. And there's nothing in hell that is of God. It's, it's the complete separation from who God is and what he's all about. And so the righteous will live for eternity by faith in what Christ has done. It's also about the quality of our life here and now. Do we stay on this treadmill of trying to earn God's favor, or do we rest in what Jesus has done, and then what we do, the good things that we do, are an expression of gratitude and thanks? Do we try to earn God's love? And please understand the oxymoron of trying to earn God's love. You don't, love is not earned. Or do we receive the gift of love that he has provided for us? You can take a moment if you want and and write on that paper and then we're going to sing together. Um, Close with, uh, and then you can bring that up and and post that on the door if you're ready to to leave that behind. Close with a quote from Luther. He said, when I discovered this, Meaning, when, when I discovered the freedom of the, that the righteous will live by faith, not by works, I was born again of the Holy Ghost, and the doors of paradise swung open, and I walked through. May it be so for us today as it was for him 500 years ago. Let's pray. Father, thank you for providing a way to open those doors of paradise to us. We recognize there's nothing, we, we can't do enough to earn our way. And so thank you, Jesus, for living a perfect life, for dying a sacrificial death in our place and, and doing that great exchange of giving us righteousness in place of our sin so that we can cast our sin on, on you. So thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you for your love and your kindness toward us. Lord, help us today. I pray you'd be stirring in hearts through this room and calling us to leave behind works and things that we have been trying to do to earn your favor and just rest in the righteousness that comes through faith alone, in Christ alone. We pray these things in his name. Amen.